different ways of creating community. So who can just drop off some food? Can you get food dropped to you every single day of that first 40 days? That's your village. Can you leave your laundry outside and someone pick it up and bring it back? Nice, freshly washed and folded. That's your village. Who's going to come and pick your kid up and take them for a walk around the block for, for, for an hour so that you can rest? That's your village. So I love this idea of not necessarily summoning the village or creating the village, but re-villaging because it speaks to that idea of coming through rather than going back. Hello everyone and welcome to the Old Ways for the New Age podcast where we are embracing ancient ways of being and opening our hearts to the magic of everyday life. I am your host Christy, founder of Bohemian Farmhouse and Midnight Kid. In this show we will discuss topics like living slowly with ritual and with reverence for the earth and our bodies, herbal wisdom and plant spirit stories. Join us as we romance the ordinary, re-enchant our own lives with plant magic and get ourselves back to the garden. Hi everyone and welcome to the Old Ways for the New Age podcast. So we are in the second month of spring now and no, it's not really getting that much warmer and we've got a bit of wind and it's not the most pleasant of weather. So hopefully things start to warm up a little bit. I'm craving the heat like you would not believe. At the very least, however, we have the wonderful opportunity of being able to have a look around and see some of the spring flowers that are just thriving in this weather. And usually in Queensland, spring kind of comes through like a whisper and things heat up so quickly that all these beautiful spring plants only have the tiniest window in which to flourish and thrive and to show off their glory. And... This time around, we get to see that for an extended period of time. So if you have a look around at the moment, the clover is astounding. It is amazing. There are so many thriving clover patches with lots and lots of flowers on them. Um, Be careful, as always, when you're walking through clover with bare feet because the bees love it. And I actually remember in high school, I'd like to do some more work with clover in a spiritual sense, I think. See what kind of messages it has. Because I remember in high school, I used to go around to my best friend's house, Tessa, and we would go to the park near her house on the weekends and we would just lay in these patches of clover. And normally we'd hold hands too and just talk and talk and talk, you know, as teenage girls usually do. But we would lay there in these patches of clover for hours and the joy of it i still remember the feeling it was just ah to have all that time and space to do that wouldn't that be lovely again (laughs) you lose that as an adult i think it's one of those things that you have to actually set out to do and you have to make time for doing those sorts of things but wouldn't life be wonderful if you could make time to even spend 15 minutes laying in a patch of clover. Anyways, so this week we actually are doing something a little bit different. We have an interview again. We haven't had one of those in a while, not since the very first episode with Hannah actually. 
This week we have the absolute pleasure of interviewing Abby Smithson from Held. She is a birth and postpartum doula based right here on the Gold Coast. It was such a joy to interview her and to listen to her speak. I always enjoy reading what she writes on her Instagram and she has such a way with words but listening to her talk about a topic that's just so near and dear to her heart she weaves such magic with her words and and it's quite obvious that this is her passion her life's work and the path that she has chosen to walk upon it is a privilege to be witness to that and i definitely wish that she was doing this work when i had my two children it would have been incredible to say the least to have someone there to nurture me during that postpartum time follows on that with a focus of self-devotion and self-love there's this very intricate balance that we need to find where we are nurturing our newborns and also nurturing ourselves so i love that she's bringing this work into the world with her unique standpoint and her unique perception on it and we touch slightly on at the end about her new herbal range that she has brought out for supporting this postpartum period and we don't really get into the actual herbs that would help with that because we're running out of time so if you can look her up have a look at the different herbs that are used we touched very briefly on alfalfa and nettle for raising your nutrient profile and our naturopath henna actually created an exclusive custom-made tea blend for the range as well so abby has her own creations and then she has this tea that she collaborated with hannah with so it's just a really good nutritive restorative and go have a follow of abby's instagram we'll put all the links in the show notes anyway her aesthetic is spot on the labeling of her products is beautiful and she just entrances you with her words and her writing so definitely give her a follow and I hope you really enjoy this interview with Abby Smithson. Hello everyone and welcome to the Old Ways to the New Age podcast. Today we have the pleasure of talking with Abby Smithson from Held. Abby is a birth and postpartum doula based on the Gold Coast. She deeply believes in the power of mothering gently, respectfully and instinctively and the outcomes it can have on both children and parents. Fed up with the lack of a village, she decided to summon her own. She offers birth and postpartum support and planning, mother's blessings and has just launched her own range of herbal offerings for birth and postpartum. Hi Abby. Hi there, how are you doing? Good. So I think maybe we should just dive right in. I'm going to ask this question for all um, our interviews. So do you know your star sign, your sun, moon and rising? Yes, I do. So I am a double Gemini. So I'm a Gemini, moon and sun. And I'm also a cancer rising. Oh, you're so So, similar to me. I'm a Gemini sun and moon as well. Oh, really? Yeah. (laughs) How funny is that? Do you know your human design? I'm a projector. Ah, yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. I'm a manifesting generator. My sister is a projector and I love the energy of projectors. 
yeah it's funny because um I felt like I resonate more with that than actually my like like astrological kind of chart it's really interesting so when I found that as like the last missing piece it's so interesting human design is definitely I don't know if it's taking over from astrology but it's definitely a modality for the times that we're in now I think it just Mm. it has a you just relate to it a lot easier it feels more like permission rather than putting you in boxes sort of thing Mm, it's like direction isn't it I love it Mm. yes exactly all right so tell us what brought you to the work that you're doing now so I guess like most or many doulas, it was through the birth of my own children. There aren't many maiden doulas, which we kind of need more of, but many of us kind of our motherhood journeys bring us to this point. And so I'd always kind of worked in the realm of parents and childcare. At 18, like I went and did my diploma in childcare. And actually, like, obviously, I love the babies. I always worked with babies as well. It was actually more the parents. Like, I loved being that kind of safe harbor for them to kind of be able to pass that little part of their kind of heart off to every day. And then, so pregnant, I guess, fairly young by current cultural standards. I was 23 when I birthed my daughter. And it was a very unexpected, difficult birth. Um, I'm not going to go into the nitty gritty of it because it's that's a whole other story. But it was, yeah, a huge experience and a huge unraveling. I kind of coming from childcare, especially, I was very much like, you know, we're going to do this. We'll have this made. Like, I know what to do with babies. But this was just like huge and so it was actually my birth that then drove me in the direction of wanting better I guess I really felt like that lack of something Um, and then so I found like this beautiful lactation group that every it was a community group and every single Wednesday from I think it started when my daughter and this was all in the UK as well which is very like yeah has been an interesting dichotomy moving from here to there but I went to this beautiful lactation group and it was just this beautiful community hub to just come to every single Wednesday and you didn't necessarily need any lactation support to go there there were lactation consultants there but like you could kind of go and have a cup of tea and there would always be kind of a listening ear or someone there and lots of the lactation consultants that were there were also doulas and so that's where I was kind of introduced to that concept and it just really captured me and, I, and so it was birth that kind of drove there but as I have kind of unpacked that first birth and in doing the work that I do now and kind of witnessing mothers in like the four years that I've been trained as a doula as such um, it really came home to me that it's actually the postpartum experience that was the unraveling because it wasn't held it wasn't supported like as much as I had a difficult birth it didn't need to be traumatic if it was held and supported in the right way and so yeah and then I birthed again my second um who is nearly two um my first is nearly five and um, or is five sorry and um yeah again that was like a whole new experience a paradigm and it kind of just deepened my work further so yeah I feel real passion for this work and incredibly lucky to do it but also it comes from kind of the things I witnessed in my own postpartum and the lack that I felt 
that led me to kind of want to fill those holes, especially with community and revillaging and stuff like that. Mm. I love that you say that it's an unraveling. I always, <laughs> I remember when I had my first child, she's turning 11 next month and her name's Abby too. <laughs> yeah, when I first had her, I remember being pregnant and being treated with such care and love and it's a very different experience well, it was for me anyway, being a pregnant woman than being a woman who just had a baby. I felt like suddenly the attention and focus and nurturing that I was experiencing whilst pregnant suddenly all got transferred onto the baby, which is totally fine. I mean, there's a new baby in the family and I can understand why family members would focus on the baby, of course, but it did feel as though I was pushed aside a lot and... Yeah, you just don't get that same level of, I don't want to say worship, but it almost felt like that when you were pregnant. And I wish that during postpartum I had that same nurturing experience because I did feel just so pushed aside and I never got that really beautiful, you know, you are now a mother. And I felt like I had to navigate those waters all on my own a lot. And I struggled a lot with, you know, asking for help and all that sort of thing. Um, I remember one of my friends, after I'd had my first child, she had her child, her first child, and we were just talking one day and I said, so how are you going with the identity shift? And this was like 10 years ago. <laughs> and and she goes, oh, my gosh, is that what it is? Like she, we just, she didn't even have a concept that there was, there was an unraveling there was something new happening here it's kind of like you know just you just have a baby and there wasn't this you know awareness of something that was come to coming to pass like um i think you call it the rite of passage that like initiation into motherhood can you speak a little to that being like worshipped as such when you're pregnant and then that kind of pushing aside it's like more and more we're kind of being treated as like these vessels for a baby to come through and it's that kind of hollowness afterwards of just yep you're empty now and it feels a bit like um you've been used maybe and that kind of really speaks to our culture and the way that we have forgotten this rite of passage and so there's a beautiful term for it now which they call um matrescence like we go through adolescence we also go through matrescence and it's just a really great succinct way of encompassing that transformation from maiden to mother and it's also a transformation that you go through no matter how many times you birth as well so it's not just that first birth every single birth even if it's like an early birth has an opportunity for that transformation and for that rebirth of you and yeah like you're saying it's very forgotten in our culture how to hold women through it and so like it takes nine months to gestate a baby or 10 moons it takes nine months or 10 moons to gestate you once that baby's been born I mean that's like the the postpartum the the 40 days I've heard of the um the concept of the 40 days what is that called again yeah so they call yeah so 40 days is of the very minimum I guess of what they call like a in a lots of traditional cultures so like the Chinese culture for example calls it confinement so it's 
40 days of which you're supposed to rest and prioritize the care of yourself. Um, and it's believed that how you are cared for and held in that first 42 days, then like that healing that happens in that time period then affects the next 42 days of that woman's life. And so it's huge. Mm. But because we've kind of, to an extent, we've kind of, it seems like pathology and allopathy has looked at that time period and then said right 42 days equals six weeks at those end of those six weeks we're done and dusted mum can get signed off usually like all that's talked about in terms of the mother at that one postpartum visit at six weeks with your GP or whatever is what you want to do about contraception and that's it like the baby's healthy the baby's well mental health of the mother's barely even mentioned kind of any kind of breastfeeding issues rarely ever worked through and definitely not is the mother asked in how they're transitioning and how they're feeling and so we have pathologized that and therefore forgotten the ancient I guess traditional wisdom in that but also we've put a full stop at six weeks and it's over but really just as I was saying in terms of if we think how long it takes to actually grow that baby and to go through that process of growth and blossoming and all the nitty gritty of pregnancy, how can we then expect for it to be done and dusted in 40 days or six weeks or whatever, you know, our Western culture characterizes it as it's so much longer than that. Postpartum in fact is forever. You can't go back once you've gone through you're always postpartum. You can't return back to that kind of maiden state of not having had a baby. But yeah, we've just pathologized it to to its extreme. Absolutely. I wholeheartedly agree with all of that. (laughs) I read somewhere on your Instagram, actually, this, you had a little mention about the second night. Are you keen to talk about that? Yeah, sure. These are all the things, guess, that just we don't speak about and I think there's this real sense that which is totally wrong that the more knowledge you perhaps bestow on a mother like the more terrifying you're going to make it seem we really infantilize our mothers as well mm-hmm. um we can't we can't handle it like oh that's it's really like postpartum is so fluid it's so messy there's blood there's sweat there's tears there's baby vomit like it's not the always the prettiest of rites of passage not many rites of passage are though that's what makes them a rite of passage but if we kind of give our mothers their knowledge and who's going to want to be pregnant everyone will be terrified it'll be awful mother's mental health will dip but actually what we're doing is and not empowering it's really like taking away that power of what we've always had I guess if you think about like we've always always had in our culture until the very recent times like the idea of like the wise women in our circles and so those are the women that would come and they would kind of sit and they'd listen and they'd hear and then they would perhaps offer advice actually very rarely but more kind of more likely just relate to what's going on and you know this is normal this is a thing that always happens but because we're kind of missing those wise women and we just leave our mothers alone we're not 
able to then have an awareness of these things as normal and as expected. And so the second night is a huge example of that. And it's a very normal shift in a baby in which the first night they're usually pretty tired after birth, no matter kind of what birth you have had. And so they kind of sleep beautifully. And most women are like, oh, this is amazing. This is incredible. My baby sleeps so well. (laughs) And they kind of always these beautiful little angel newborns almost lull us into this sense, um, this false sense of security. And then what happens is they kind of wake up and they realize, holy cow, where am I? Um, I'm no longer like safe in this little cocooned space. And they just will not stop feeding. They'll feed and feed and feed and feed. And then you'll think they're asleep and then you'll try to put them down and absolutely hell no, no way baby starts screaming again back on the breasts and it can go on and on and on and on all night um, and perhaps into the third night and what we've done by not telling people about this is then we start to worry and we think oh no our baby's not getting enough milk or perhaps there's something wrong Um, and then we become instead of being full of beautiful oxytocin which is like the love hormone which ironically gives you prolactin which creates breast milk it actually then fills you full of fear and you seize up and so yeah we start to worry what's wrong with our babies but actually that's just a very normal physiological process that's always 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 happened in which our babies are just they're just seeking comfort there's also a theory that the more that they suckle in those first few days the more prolactin receptors they also might create to therefore create more milk later on But it is also just that real fear of being outside of the womb. And so, yeah, by not empowering women and birthing people with that knowledge, we're then dishonouring them and creating fear where it doesn't need to exist. Mm, That empowering piece is very important, I think, and for myself, the my first birth and my second birth, that was the main difference, that feeling of, just being a bit more in control of my own body and more like I had more awareness of what was happening with the second. And mm. just that feeling made all the difference, just that trust in my my own ability. And I had <laughs> I had a classic second night experience with Abby. And I still remember to this day just sitting with her alone in the hospital and looking down at her in my arms and she was looking up at me with these big eyes and I just had this sinking feeling of, oh, God, I don't know what to do here. I'm lost. I have no idea what I'm doing. What do I do with this baby? (laughs) And I thought, oh, God, Mm. I'm in trouble here. And just, yeah, it would have been really nice. And we had a lot of problems with breastfeeding and, um, and I didn't have the best team at the hospital to help with that there was probably three or four midwives who came in and they all had different approaches to help and each approach was awful for me but stock standard procedures and yeah it was just really hard so it would have been wonderful to have that support with my second I had a wonderful nurse 
who took care of us. But, you know, with your second, you're also left alone a little bit as well because they have more faith in you too because you've done it before and you know what you're doing. So they just kind of leave you alone a little bit. But my midwife was actually a man and Mm. he was English. He'd come over from the UK. And when he first walked in, I was like, what is this man doing in my what is happening? What's going on? Because I just assumed that every midwife would be a woman. And then he was fantastic. He was brilliant. He was just, oh, the support he showed was incredible. It was wonderful. And mm. I feel like that's a very unique experience too. And mm. But also, you know, he didn't, there was no judgment as well. There was no judgment on what I was doing. It was just pure, you've got this, you know what you're doing. And I wish I'd had that with my first as well. Just that, you know what you're doing, you've got this, you're okay. Even though it was my first baby, that would have been really nice to have. Mm, Definitely. Like um, I had a similar experience with my first in terms of that she spent the first the first night in the special care unit she was fine they were just wanted to you know make sure she was fine um and so I was having to travel post cesarean between the ward and walk to um the special care unit and we're trying to induce breastfeeding to use the medical terms Mm. and um the more that they tried to um I mean you know they're nice enough in there but it's also obviously very baby centered of course because it's special Mm. care but it was very much like it was a very um can't think of the word but like a very structured I guess approach to breastfeeding which most special care babies need which is understandable but it wasn't until I got my daughter back with me to the um postnatal ward and met a midwife who said hey lay down your baby, your baby will come to your breast. You know that, right? And kind of instilled more of a sense in, yes, like you were saying, you've got this, but also this is, this can be very difficult, but it also at the same time is a natural thing and something that you and your baby have to figure out together. It's a learning. She just laid me down, rested baby next to me, and she latched on and it was beautiful but it wasn't until she kind of restored almost restored breastfeeding back to me that it kind of flowed from there and I was very lucky with my breastfeeding experiences all of them have been incredibly simple but yeah it wasn't until it was like no this is not normal you've got this lie down it'll it'll happen that I just could do it and it was incredible how easy it was from then on Mm, just that absolute faith in the the ability of a mother to do what they naturally know to do and baby too. It's just amazing. We definitely have lost mm. that. So talk to us a little bit about the village. The village is kind of a very easy way of referring to what is inherently ingrained into us as a need especially once you've crossed that threshold of birthing your baby it is what we have always known so as humans we're very very much programmed for community we've always lived in community we've always birthed in community 
we've always died in community it's just kind of what always has been but the more and more that we have I guess industrialized the more that we have drifted apart and lived separately and so instead of living in these kind of community communal um, village spaces we're all in the nuclear family and so we expect the nuclear family to do everything so when we birth we expect the partner to be everything my friend um, Loz she's a doula also on the Gold Coast speaks beautifully about you expect the partner to be the doula the midwife the cook the best friend but actually we would have had so many of these different roles around us and it's really affecting us and it's also deeply wounding us as well we've got like these huge divides created especially between women of um kind of mistrust of judgment of all those kind of things but it's just creating this big chasm where we need to come back together in terms of like what I do in terms of like doulaing for example doulaing and midwifery traditional midwifery kind of has always existed as well in these communities it would have it would have always been present these wise women who would come into your house and your while your baby's been born and carry you through um we just don't have that and so the only way I see forward is to what they call revillage because we also can't go back we're probably never going to live in the communities or not for a very 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 long time going to live in the communities that we had like I, I know that they exist some places like we have communes and we have um kind of intentional communities but it's going to take a very long time for us to get to back or back not necessarily back but forward to those spaces again and so revillaging is very much about calling in a village in what it actually could look like I think so many of us think about the idea of the village as yeah like this very communal living and everyone's like picking from the veggie garden together and homeschooling their kids and we're all doing it together but it's just probably not the reality and so the more that we create these small community offerings so they tend to happen a lot as well within these birth and postpartum spaces um, and more and more which is beautiful but it's about calling in things so it might not be calling in someone to come and you know look after your kids for the whole first 40 days after your baby's born because that's probably just not going to happen everyone has jobs everyone has lives everyone has other things but it's instead looking towards different ways of creating community so who can just drop off some food can you get food dropped to you every single day of that first 40 days that's your village can you leave your laundry outside and someone pick it up and bring it back nice freshly washed and folded that's your village who's going to come and pick your kid up and take them for a walk around the block for, for, for an hour so that you can rest that's your village so I love this idea of not necessarily summoning the village or creating the village but re-villaging because it speaks to that idea of coming through rather than going back if that makes sense.
That makes perfect sense. Um, and you've also created a product offering using herbs for postpartum as well. Yes, yes, it's very new. So these are kind of the things I share with the mums I work with and I get really lovely feedback from them, which is always nice. But it's kind of started from the idea of that rebirth, killing people who perhaps didn't get the birth experience that they wanted. So you could kind of create a rebirthing experience at home whether that's to just honor that transition and that rebirth of yourself or whether it is to kind of create like the birth that perhaps you wanted or just a gentle not necessarily the birth you wanted but like a gentle landing at home for you and your baby and so it's just um postpartum herbs for your bath um a womb oil and a flower essence and a tea and so together you can kind of weave them in to create more ceremony and ritual because I feel that's something that's really missing from these spaces is ritual and ceremony it's just what we've always had and we're really missing it and so it's just a small way of which to kind of weave those things in together and create your own little ritual whatever that looks like for you at home just to honor that Um, and they can also be used alone as well but yeah I really really love them they're beautiful and I love that you're actually going more into the herbal side of things with that because I feel as though there's a fear around using herbs during either pregnancy or postpartum especially if you're breastfeeding and that's simply because there's there's a lack of um, actual scientific studies and Mm -hmm. research on it and there's a lot of fear around it of you know maybe doing something to the baby or harming or whatever but there are so many herbs that are actually beautifully supportive for um, postpartum especially and I think in the tea that you have there's um there's alfalfa in it and one of the things that I wish I had known was to rebuild my nutrients all the things that were just sort of passed from me into the baby so that I could make the baby and and then you know depleting my body to know that there was something that I could have done to replenish that would have been really helpful really helpful Mm -hmm. and I always tell every new mother I come across make sure if you do anything that's one of the things that you really need to focus on is just try and get your nutrient profile back up because it will have a knock-on effect for so many different things yes exactly and there are so many I don't think there's really any postpartum ones who have been kind of aware walking around like completely repleted because we're all just so we all walk into pregnancy so depleted with our soils and you know everything that's going on so definitely like plant allies are so beautiful alfalfa you said is amazing it's full of vitamin K as well, which is obviously so beneficial. Um, and nettle as well is my other absolute favourite. Also um, raspberry leaf as well. It's getting a lot more attention, which is great. And I think most kind of pregnant people know about raspberry leaf, but obviously that's just the most beautiful uterine tonic. So yeah, it's really beautiful to see these things growing. They just need to grow more. Yes, I love that you said growing too. That's a perfect... Um... Word for it. (laughs) 
All right. So um, we've only got five minutes left now. Would you like to just let everyone know where they can find you? So your website and perhaps just your Instagram? Sure. So, yeah, if you want to come and find me, I am at Abby Snisson on Instagram and my website is heldbirth.com.au and that's kind of the yeah the two main spaces in which you can come and find me and we will link those down in the show notes as well for everyone so that they can go and have a look at the beautiful work that Abby is doing thank you so much for your time today Abby this was a beautiful conversation and you know you have such a way with words even your spoken and your written words they're just like these beautiful little pearls just strung together and it's just such a pleasure to read what you write and to hear what you say so thank you so much for coming on today oh thank you thank you so much for having me it's been so lovely thank you so much for being here and for listening I know your time is sacred and special and I really appreciate you spending yours with me. Thank you and until next time.